0: We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes
1: your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you.
0: Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC. Choose UPMC for your family's health care needs close to home. Visit UPMC.com slash CentralPA for a complete list of services and locations. Some 70 million years after it lived, a new species of predatory dinosaur was identified. The newly named species, Tyrannosaurus macraensis. Uh, McCrayensis. There we go. Macrayensis was closely related to the iconic Tyrannosaurus rex. Harrisburg University of Science and Technology professor Dr. Stephen Jasinski was part of a team of researchers that made the discovery, which came 40 years after the dinosaur's fossils were found in New Mexico. The new species has left scientists rethinking the evolution of the T. Rex and learning more about these creatures that roam the earth. Dr. Jasinski, who is with Harrisburg University's Department of Environmental Science and Sustainability, is with us on the SPARK today. Dr. Stephen Jasinski, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So is it unusual to identify a new species of uh, dinosaurs 70 years later?
1: I would say that the when we look at the new species of dinosaurs that are currently being described and how quickly we're doing that, the last couple of years have been a boon to what we're looking with those things, and so we were at a point where we were almost a species a week. So you're looking at nearly fifty a year, which is a, a very high number. But we've dropped off a lot since then.
0: Why fifty a week? I mean, that's, that's 50, a, 50 a year. Right? Fifty a year. Okay. So that kind of surprises me.
1: Because of technology or what? Some of it's because of technology. Some of it's because we're we're looking in places we haven't looked before. A lot of this is due to other countries really, really taking part in a lot of this. So China over the last couple of decades has really expanded. And more recently, um, Africa and South America have seen a huge um, expansion in the number of dinosaurs we know about. A lot for North America has dropped off. We're still finding them, but it's not nearly at the speed we used to be finding them.
0: Well, this one was found in New Mexico 40 years ago, but it was thought to be a Tyrannosaurus rex, which most people who know anything about dinosaurs are familiar with the T. rex. So how was it determined that this was something different than T. rex?
1: So some of it is we don't have the full dinosaur, but we have parts of the skull, and we have some of the parts of the the spine, right, the backbone, some of the vertebrae, or at least pieces of the vertebrae. And previously, especially with the lower jaw that we had recovered, it looked similar to T. rex. Most super large predatory dinosaurs that we find that are around this age and in this general region of the world are all considered to be T. rex, because T. rex seems to be pretty expansive and all over the place. But smaller features of the jaw, of pieces of the skull, especially around the eyes themselves, tell us, once we looked more in depth, that this is distinct from T. rex. It's something new and different.
0: Okay, so around, that's one of the differences, around the eyes. Yes. What was different than T.
1: rex? So, what T. rex tends to have are what we call cornual processes, but they're basically like small horn-like things on top of the skull, right above the eyes themselves. And what we have for Tyrannosaurus macriensis is that those... Bosses tend to be a lot smaller, a lot more robust. They're kind of fat, but they don't get as high. And they tend to kind of shift back toward the back of the skull. Rather than above the eye, they're kind of behind the eye. There's also some aspects of the back of the skull, too, the bone we call the squamosal, that shifts a little bit around the way the back of the skull is formed. That tells us it's also different.
0: Mm-hmm. Getting back to the eyes, I understand that this difference would allow the new species to identify, to see, to recognize members of its own uh, of its own species right
1: yes so oftentimes when we see features that don't seem to have a lot of other reasonings for them and certainly these kind of these bumps these large processes that are kind of like tiny horns above the eyes of t-rex are great for species identification so i can tell you're another t-rex and so i can you know either mate with you or fight you or whatever the case is but if it's a different species that's easy to see that's something that's very very clear And we can't see colors, so this is going to be the best way for us to tell that, you know, you're clearly something different. They may have been different colored as well, but we don't know that.
0: Mm. Understand there's a difference in teeth, too.
1: Yeah, so what we have for transverse macariantus is that the teeth tend to be more robust and round and also a little bit lower. But what that means is that they potentially had a different diet. T-Rex has teeth that are really serrated like knives, but they get thinner. So they're really good at slicing meat. What we have here is maybe something that was potentially more osteophagus so it was or yeah basically undergoing osteophagy so biting bones going through large scale really robust animals and really biting down and breaking bones and breaking pieces off
0: mm-hmm. uh, understand the bite though may not as be as strong as T-Rex
1: so some of the other differences we have are differences in the size of the lower jaw and if it's a somewhat small, smaller lower jaw Presumably that means that you don't have as strong a bite because it can't undergo as as the forces can't be as strong and it might potentially break. So what we might have is something that was eating a lot of bone, but maybe eating smaller things or slightly smaller things than T Rex potentially.
0: Mm -hmm. Those things were other dinosaurs though, right?
1: Presumably the vast majority are gonna be. If you're something the size of T Rex and we're looking at something you know, 35 to 40 feet long and something in the 8 to 9 ton range, basically the same size as what we get with T-Rex. You're looking at large animals eating tiny things is not going to fill you up and they're not worthwhile to do anything with
0: well how much do you have to eat to get filled (laughs) up when you're that size
1: (laughs) it is going to be quite a bit certainly yeah i think it's going to be you're going to have to take down large dinosaurs relatively often
0: so when you are another dinosaur and you see this thing coming it's like uh uh-oh i gotta hit the road
1: yes and and while we don't think they were as fast as what we previously thought they may have been you're still looking at things that are fast enough that if they want to try to run these animals down, they can probably slowly catch most of them, um, especially things like the ceratopsids, really relatives of triceratops. Yeah, probably not too difficult to run it down and kind of go after it.
0: understand that the T. rex and probably uh, the, the McRae ensis also uh, have a, a good s- sense of smell.
1: Yeah. So what we can tell is that they have a very large area in the brain for the, the olfactory senses. And so this tells us that they're able to take in more information through that, through the pheromones, through senses and smells. And they probably are really good at tracking down things through that. Now, whether that's for you know scavenging, finding dead things, or whether it's useful for active predation, we don't definitively know.
0: Now, this was 70 million years ago. How can you learn all those things 70 million later, million years later?
1: So some of it is we, we use what we know, right? So we use modern animals to figure out how they work and how they're set up and look at their anatomy and the parts of their nose, their brains, and how they utilize them. But then we also utilize dinosaurs we know more about. And we have lots of varying degrees of skulls of T. rex. And so when we have these... More complete things, we can get a lot of information from that. We compare them with birds, alligators, mammals, everything we have today. And those analogs can really, really help us out.
0: What animal today is the new species most closely
1: related to? So Tyrannosaurus macariensis is most closely related to T. rex. They are essentially right, what right. we consider sister Probably species.
0: Probably the most, their closest relative, right? Correct, Okay, Okay. Yes. Animals that are alive today, T. rex, uh, mcrae, insis, what would they be related to?
1: So they're going to be related to birds, right? Birds are within Dinosauria, so they are a type of dinosaur. Now, what type of bird they're most closely related to is going to be one of the more basal species. But the ones that look the most similar to them that we see are, are basically things like ratite. So ostriches, cassowaries, emus, things like that. But they're they're not closer related to those than they are to things like chickens or pheasants or turkeys or anything like that. Okay. So
0: one thing about the T-Rex over the years, and let's face it, that over the last 20 years, kids have just latched on the dinosaurs. Kids love dinosaurs. Uh, But when you see them in cartoons and that kind of thing, the little arms that the T-Rex has, (laughs) and I assume uh, assume the McRae ensis also had little tiny arms. Yes. Why?
1: So that that's something we still don't really have a great handle on. Now, there's been lots of discussion on what you have those little arms for, but we can see through the evolution of this group of dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurids, those arms get smaller and smaller and smaller over time. So they were probably just going to the point where the arms weren't really needed, and they were going to eventually, if they had enough time, disappear. Um, but if they were still being useful for something, there's been discussion that even though they were very tiny, they were actually very, very strong. The musculature was really, really good in them. So they could have, some people have put forth the idea of the hypothesis that they could hold prey and then try to bite it, which doesn't make a ton of sense, but is possible. There's possibilities that they they work almost like claspers. So in mating, you would hold on to the back of the other animal, right? So you would utilize that to, u- to figure out what you're doing. There's been discussion of, you know, if they're laying on the ground, they can push themselves up a couple inches to yeah. a foot or so, which isn't a lot, but maybe for a body size like that, maybe just getting it started is enough for the rest of the body to start moving.
0: So the arms were actually getting smaller.
1: They were. They were getting smaller over time. And T-Rex doesn't have, or Transverse macrantus wouldn't have the smallest arms we know of any dinosaurs. They There are groups of meat-eating predatory dinosaurs that have smaller arms, but they were getting smaller and smaller through time, and they probably would have eventually not been present.
0: Now, from what I understand, you tell me, uh, the McRaeensis Tyrannosaurus macrayensis, is older than the T. rex. Right, by, uh, by I mean, when you talk about seventy million years, it's just a few million years older. But talk about that.
1: So everything we know about T. Rex has them present at the very, very end of the Cretaceous, right before the mass extinction. So we're looking at sixty-six to sixty-seven million years ago, and three, four, five million years might not seem like much when you're talking about seventy. But animals are evolving and changing all the time. I mean, Basically, when we look at mammals, mammals change their morphology, their their shape enough that they normally change species every million years or so, maybe even half a million years. So several million years is enough time for things to significantly change between these large animals. So even when we're looking at three, four, five million years, that's a significant amount of difference in time between when Tyrannosaurus macariantus was present versus Tyrannosaurus rex. And so we know there's going to be a lot of differences. And there's some differences that are suggesting even uh, more derived features, so more advanced features in Macraensis than T. rex, which doesn't make sense if it's older, but it does make sense if it's not the direct ancestor. If it's more like a cousin or an offshoot, then it means that T. rex was evolving from basically almost like the brother or sister species to Macraensis at that point in time. Mm So, you know,
0: it's always exciting when millions of years later, there's the discovery or identification of a new dinosaur species. But one of the things that I understand that has happened here is it's called into question the evolution of the T-Rex. In what way?
1: So T-Rex was always seen as everything we saw at the end of their time of the dinosaurs' time was was T. rex. And the most closely related animals we have are from Asia, basically Mongolia, right? And so that's Tarbosaurus and Jutang Tyrannus. So when we have those dinosaurs, the thought was that we have really, really old members of the group from North America, they traveled to Asia, and then they eventually traveled back to North America, and, and T. rex basically then came from Asia. And so that's what we we always have assumed. But now finding older specimens that are more closely related in the southern part of the United States, and southern North America, it looks like what we may have is that T. rex actually evolved in southern North America instead. And then some offshoots went to Asia, some just moved north into the northern United States and Canada. And so it's it's painting us a different picture of where these animals are coming from and how they're evolving and how they're changing over time.
0: What did the landmass look like at that time and what was the climate like?
1: So we still had a little bit of the Western Interior Seaway, basically a a kind of a shallow sea in the middle of the continent that traveled from the Gulf of Mexico up toward Alaska. But it was receding at that time, and it was receding south. So towards the north, the continent was relatively as it is now. But towards the south, we still had kind of the Gulf of Mexico pushing up toward that kind of halfway through the United States. And so that would have blocked the eastern and the western halves. But the continent was a lot warmer. It was a lot more tropical. So we would have had um, a lot more water present. It would have been a lot more moist, but it would have been a lot warmer in general for the conditions that we see today. But it still would have got cold as you go further north. Just would have been not as cold as we see it now.
0: Mm. And you didn't have those long arms to wrap around yourself to keep yourself warm either. Mm -hmm. That'd be a problem. Uh, (laughs) 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 All right, so... I want to talk about y- your discovery. Is discovery the right word here?
1: It certainly would be. I mean, we basically discovered my group of researchers and myself we discovered that this was a new type of dinosaur.
0: Okay. So I understand that there was actually a student and yourself. There were, I mean, there's a team of researchers that worked on this, but a student and yourself working on this at the same time.
1: Yeah. So Sebastian Dahlman, the lead author, and myself. Both started looking at the specimen independently. And once we determined that both of us were were doing research, we decided to come together. After we saw features that we thought made it new, we started pulling in other experts to get a much larger team together so we could be really confident that we were correct and that this was different and it was something new and important.
0: Mm. Uh, So what happens now? I mean, first of all, you have to be proud to be able to say that, uh, this will probably be in your obituary, (laughs) that uh, you discovered or you identified a new species of uh, dinosaur. I mean, this is so exciting, but so what happens now with this?
1: So it is certainly, I'm, I'm certainly very excited and happy about it. Now we look to the next steps, and the next steps are now getting a better handle. We're looking for more specimens of Transverse Macraensis. We hope that we find more, because right now we only have some of the elements of this dinosaur. But we also want to find more things that are similar and related to it. So we get a better handle on how it, what it tells us about these animals and what it tells us about the world at that point in time.
0: This was, like I said, found 40 years ago in 1983, it was in a museum in New Mexico. Are other museums around the world now looking and saying, hey, maybe we have some of this?
1: I think that they're at minimum kind of reassessing specimens they have and deciding if, you know, they should go be more research and more people look at those to determine, is it something new? Is it the same thing? Or is it what we actually thought it was in the first place? And that is an important step to take.
0: Mm. Dr. Stephen Jasinski is with Harrisburg University, the Department of Environmental Science and Sustainability. Congratulations. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: And Thank you for having me.